0: It's hard to believe it's Christmas. It's really amazing since we celebrated last Christmas, what, six months ago, was it? I believe when we celebrated last Christmas. (laughs) I know. But I I have some news. I know last week we heard uh, Alan stand up here and sing on the first day of Christmas, my true love sent to me, what did he say, a fully restored jaguar, was it? A what? Vintage jaguar. Okay. Well, actually, there's some hope for that. I've been doing some checking this week, but in order to fulfill that request, the 12 days of Christmas will have to be restructured a little bit. So you'll get a partridge, but the pear tree, it's not coming. It's so bulky that uh, it'll definitely cut down on the cost to not have to ship the pear tree. And you start shipping trees, the shock gets to them sometimes anyway. You'll only get one turtle dove, two is redundant, you still get the three French hens because everybody loves to eat and they taste pretty good. You won't get the four calling birds because you've already got a partridge and a turtle dove and three French hens, you don't need any more birds. The five golden rings will be sent, gold is always nice and the bottom line is you can always sell them and help pay for your (laughs) restored jag. (laughs) Breeders are working feverishly to produce one goose who can lay six eggs a day rather than six geese. So if they succeed, it will definitely help your grocery bill, so they'll send the one goose after their testing is complete. Seven swans are swimming. They're merely decorative, so they're eliminated. No one can find eight maids of milk, and it's all done by machine. Nine ladies dancing. Well, I consulted with Christy and Deb also, and they both said we probably need to leave the dancing ladies off. (laughs) And since we're trying to save money, have you considered the high cost of shipping even one Lord internationally? So no Lords. And 11 Pipers piping and the 12 Drummers drumming, that's a simple case of the band getting too big. So they're gone. So if, and it's a big if, we can get these changes approved, then you might just get your fully restored JAG. (laughs) As Alan said when he started, the words of Isaiah 61 are very familiar to all of us. The Spirit of the Lord God is upon me because the Lord has anointed me to preach good tidings to the poor. He has sent me to heal the brokenhearted etc., etc. These are the very verses that Jesus read when he returned to his boyhood hometown of Nazareth. And after reading them, he proclaimed that that very day, those words were fulfilled in himself. Now, we know after the fact that Jesus was the Messiah. We have no problem with that. We accept that. We have faith in that. He was the Son of God. But to those folks' credit, they didn't know that. The prophecy was there, but they didn't realize that Jesus was the fulfillment of that prophecy. He was just Jesus, the kid that was raised down the street, the carpenter's son. He played with our kids in the street. This is Mary's boy. They didn't know that this was the fulfillment of that Scripture, and so when Jesus said, This day, the scripture's fulfilled. It shocked them. They're like, who is he to be saying that? He's, like I said, just the kid next door. Now, they rejected him that day, as you know. Uh, It got pretty violent from the tone of the scripture. But I like to think that as time went on, they came to the realization of who he really was. At least some of them, I'm sure, did. These words spoken by Isaiah were not just a prophecy of another anointed prophet like Elijah or Jeremiah or Elisha or even Isaiah himself. There is a, a difference in the tone of the scripture as it's spoken. It's almost like Isaiah moves outside himself as he's speaking these words. You can sense a difference in his voice and underlying depth of meaning It's different from the time, you remember when Isaiah had the vision and the Lord is saying, whom will I send? Who will go for me? And Isaiah said, here I am, send me the calling of Isaiah as a prophet. It's a little different than when Elijah was, for instance, when he was in the cave, cowering in the cave and the earthquake came and shook the mountain and the fire swept across the mountainside and burned everything in sight. And then after all of the wind and the earthquake and the fire, Elijah heard that still, small voice that gave him instructions and called him to his ministry. This was different from those things. These words have a depth of purpose that takes more than a mere man to fulfill. Alan, let me borrow the commentary this week, and I was doing some reading, Edward Young, and his commentary on the book of Isaiah says this, the work described here in these verses of Isaiah 61, 1 through 3, the work described is such that only God can accomplish. Sometimes your friends, your brothers, your sisters, the people we hang out with, family, they can do a lot for us, In our times of trouble, but there are some things that no human can help you with. It takes a power outside of that to get you through it. So look again with me at these words The Spirit of the Lord God is upon me because the Lord has anointed me to preach good tidings to the poor. He has sent me, He has sent me to heal the brokenhearted, to proclaim liberty to the captives and the opening of the prison to those who are bound. And he goes on in the next verse and says, to proclaim the year of the Lord's favor and the day of vengeance of our God, to comfort all who mourn. The next verse especially, verse three, to grant those who mourn in Zion, to give them a beautiful headdress instead of ashes, beauty for ashes, the oil of gladness instead of mourning, the garment of praise instead of a faint spirit, So these words, do do you see what I'm seeing here in these words? He didn't say, he has sent me to rejoice with you when you hit the lottery. (laughs) He didn't say, he has sent me to ride with you in your restored vintage jag. He didn't say, he has sent me to sing at your party or dance at your wedding or celebrate with you when you get the big promotion at work. Now, please don't get me wrong. He does those things. God is all about celebration. Uh, In fact, he instructed his people to have various feasts every year. They did it on an annual basis where they would spend days commemorating their happy times. An example is Passover. It went for several days. They would honor how God had delivered them from slavery in Egypt. So God is all about celebration. He loves the good things that happen to us. He loves the the opening of the presents at Christmas time. He enjoys that. He likes that. He's here to celebrate with us. But that's not why he came. According to this scripture in Isaiah 61, that is not why he came. He came to heal the broken. He came when Avery is sick and has to go to the hospital. He came for when things are bad, when we're mourning, when we're hurting, when we're in the, the ashes. That's why he came came to heal the broken, comfort the grieving, set the prisoners free, lift your spirits when they're heavy. I can't find one thing in this list where it says that he came for the happy times. It's all about the broken, the hurting, the bad times that we endure. That's why he came. These are not the happy times when everything is going great. These are the times when we're hurting, the dark nights of the soul, when you question everything and everybody. Times when the phone rings with the news you don't want to hear. Times when the doctor's report is really bad, the money's too short, the bills are too long, hope is gone, health is failing, death is knocking. These times are why he came. When do you most find yourself praying, God, I need you? I don't think I'm the only one that does this. The most that I realize that I really need God is when something's wrong. Right after I get that substantial raise at work, that's not the time I realize how desperately I need God. When I'm feeling great and everything is going just like a plan, rather it's those times when my heart is broken, the tears won't stop, my spirit is crushed, I'm overwhelmed, I'm dying inside, hope is gone. Just had a flashback sitting with my son a few weeks back when he was at... One of his lowest times, if not the lowest time, he said to me, he said, Dad, I don't have any hope. My hope is gone. I know that feeling. You know that feeling. I'm thankful for the good times when God's blessing is flowing. And not nearly enough, but I do express my gratitude to him. We all do during those times. I'm thankful for what good comes my way. And I know where it comes from. All good gifts come down from the Father. We know where they come from, and and it's easy to be thankful. But when I'm hurting and my heart is breaking into a million pieces, those are the times that I'm crying out for God to be with me. Please hear me. God understands that. God understands that when things are going good, we don't lean on Him quite as much as when things are going bad. God understands that. That's why He came. That is exactly why he came. And even if those are the only times that I really pray, God is still going to be right there with me. You want to know why? For God so loved the world that he gave his only begotten son. And the rest of the story is the next verse. God sent not his son into the world to condemn the world. A lot of times we quote verse 16 of John 3 and we leave off verse 17, but that clarifies it. God didn't come to condemn. He came to save you out of your mess. Edward Young said it right. This is the stuff that only God can do. Well-meaning friends may offer their platitudes. Loved ones can hold me, console me when I grieve. Friends and family can give me a shoulder to lean on and cry on, but only God can accomplish the healing of my broken heart. Only God can truly set you free. Only God can give you beauty for ashes. How does he do it? Look again at the words. The spirit of the Lord God is upon me because the Lord has anointed me to preach good tidings to the poor. He has sent me to heal the brokenhearted. God anointed him, but he went further than just the anointing. He has sent me. He has sent me. Jesus doesn't observe from afar. He doesn't sit on a cloud and watch you while you cry. He doesn't stand off and shake his head when your heart's breaking and say, you should have made better decisions. I tried to tell you. That's not what he does. He is with you. Joseph fell into a fitful sleep. He had just learned that his girlfriend, his fiance was pregnant. He knew it wasn't his. He's very disturbed. And as he's tossing and turning and drifting off to sleep, an angel appeared in a dream and told him that everything was all right. It was going according to plan. Matthew 1, 22 and 23 says, So all this was done that it might be fulfilled, which was spoken by the Lord through the prophets, saying, Behold, a virgin shall conceive and bring forth a son, and they shall call his name Emmanuel, which being interpreted is, say it with me, God with us, with us. That's the bottom line. God is with you. It is not you with God. It's God with you. There's a difference. There's a difference. The difference is if it's you with God, then when those good times come, you tend to stray away. I do. If it's me with God, I'm going to drift at times. But if it's God with me, when I start drifting, guess what he does? He drifts with me. Wherever you go, he's going because God is with you. He became one of us so he could understand, so he could be with us. He knows sorrow and pain, he knows the bad news, he knows the hurt of betrayal, he knows how it feels to have a friend stab you in the back, he knows forsaken. Nothing you feel or have ever felt or will ever feel is applicable only to you because God is with you. He's right there with you. I know from experience what it feels like to make the bad decisions and the stupid mistakes and ending up crashing and burning. I've done that more than once in my life. I'm embarrassed to say, but I also know from experience what it feels like when I'm sitting there in the heap of ashes that was my life to look around and realize that somebody's there with me. In fact, he's the one that gets on his hands and knees and scoops the ashes together and somehow makes something beautiful out of it again. I don't know how he does it. No human can do that, but God can. God, who is rich in mercy. What a great scripture. I know from experience how it feels to have somebody stab you in the back, your heart break into a million pieces through no fault of your own. I've been there when it was my fault, but I've also been there when it wasn't my fault. Somebody else caused it. Somebody else broke my heart into a million pieces. And I know from experience who it is that picks up those pieces. I know from experience how it feels to get that phone call and have the waves of grief and sorrow that just crash over and over and over again until you feel like you're drowning. But I know who it is that keeps my head above the water. He knows how to comfort us, doesn't he? He knows how to comfort us. Christy said earlier that this is the season of hope. It is the season of hope. We wouldn't need hope if it weren't for these bad times. If everything always went good, if everything always came up roses, we wouldn't need hope. But we do need hope, and God knows that. He knows exactly the words to speak to your inner ear. He knows what your spirit will accept, how to lift you up. I found out that it doesn't have to be a preacher. It doesn't have to be a fellow brother or sister in Christ. In fact, in my case, it's usually not. It can be something as simple, and these are my experiences, something as simple as a butterfly fluttering by. It can be something as simple as a movie, sitting watching a movie, and find myself bawling like a baby because God is speaking to me. I keep music playing in my car as I Uber, keep it real low. and There are times that a song will come on and it just ministers to me, and it's not a Christian song, but it ministers to me. Who does that? God does that. I wouldn't think about sending some secular song to you to encourage you in a spiritual battle. God thinks about that. He knows what it takes to speak to your spirit. He knows how to heal the brokenhearted. He knows how to lift you from the spirit of heaviness. He knows how to help us in our hard times. He is a master at healing the broken heart opening the prison setting you free comforting the if you're mourning and grieving giving beauty for ashes lifting the spirit of heaviness god with us god with us what a great phrase it denotes present tense god with us didn't say god will be with you it doesn't say god has been with you although he has been and although he will be it's always present tense god is always present tense He is always present tense. God is with you every moment of the day. Right now, He's with you every second of every minute. And because of that, that's why He was with us and that's why He will be with us because He never leaves you. He's always with you. He doesn't observe from afar. No matter who you are or what you've done, He's with you. And that is amazing. And I think that's why the scripture bears out the fact that it was the shepherds who ran to worship Him. It was the unbelievers from afar that came and laid their best gifts at His crib because they knew it doesn't matter who you are. He is with us. Unto us a child is born. Unto us a son is given. So anyway, I wish each of you a Merry Christmas. May your days be merry and bright. I hope you can relax and have some fun, open some gifts, enjoy your family, eat your heart out. It's even okay for Mommy to kiss Santa Claus. That's fine. But as we learned last week from the prayer requests, and as Christy reminded us again this morning and our experience with our own Avery, a hard times come. So when your bulbs burn out and your ornaments shatter into a million pieces and your wrapping paper rips before you're ready for it, too. In other words, when hard times come, or sickness invades, or tragedy strikes, just run to the one who started Christmas. That's what he's there for. And really, you don't have to run very far because he's with us. That's why there is a Christmas to heal the brokenhearted, to proclaim liberty to the captives, the opening of prison to those who are bound, to comfort all who mourn, to console those who mourn in Zion. Do you notice how he made a difference? This just came to me. He said to comfort all who mourn and then to comfort those in Zion who mourn. So whether you're in church or out of church, he came to comfort you if you're mourning. That may be a simple way to look at it, but to give them beauty for ashes, the oil of joy for mourning, the garment of praise for the spirit of heaviness. That's why there's a Christmas. Amen.